What is up, agency algorithm listeners? We are back with an absolute incredible conversation. This one, some of you are going to understand where this is going. Some of you are going to understand where this is beginning. And what is most important is that the agency life, which we, Josh and I have always thought, and you probably thought this too, agency life chose you. You know, you fell into it and it was just right in front of you. Very few people go seek out agency life, especially after you've had an incredible, incredible success. And this is the person that we're going to talk to today. So Lita Petros, and I, I didn't say the last name correctly. So can you correct me again so everybody else? Petrosov, yeah, Lolita Petrosov. She did something a little bit more unique than most of us, but I wanted to kind of get into it. Lolita, how are you doing today? Yeah, thank you so much for having me, guys. So yes, uh, in 2013, my husband and I will launch a company called Jet Smarter. It was a tech company. I was a private aviation company. We were known as Uber Private Jets. What we yeah. did was we created the whole jet sharing you know, concept, right? That's today prospering and doing really well. So uh, in 2013, it was actually my first experience, my first job, right? And it took off. Uh, we reached unicorn status, um, raised a lot of money. And uh, yeah, we sold a business to private equity in 2018. So it was a five-year amazing, amazing journey, which I think uh, will always be my DNA, right? As sure. I'm right now on the agency live, but my DNA is just smarter, right? It's like this entrepreneurial story, which I think is, you know, the reason why today my agency is doing so well, right? Because I launched it and everybody learned of the word, Jet Smarter co-founder launches an agency was like kind of an instant success, right? So totally. how I ended up at the agency was actually uh, a frustration feeling that when uh, you have all the budgets in the world, you have the most amazing product, you were supposed to grow, right? And we had, we, we needed to hit targets, we needed to grow. And uh, I had a very talented in-house marketing team that was with me from the beginning. And you always think that the grass is greener on the other side and you have this capital that you got to spend. So I went with these big, massive agencies to see whether, you know, we can get somebody really experienced on board and miracle will happen and will take us to the promised land. Like I knew that I had a goal in mind and I, I have all resources and budgets in the world. And there is this agency that's out there that I'm going to come in and they're going to tell me $100,000 retainer. I say, no worries. Just can you take me from A to B, right? Everybody yeah. says yes. Throughout 18 months, I would say uh, I had the combination of my marketing team and then we worked with big dogs, like big players. We started with content and, you know, digital TV and the disappointment that I got yeah. from working with these agencies has planted a seed in my head saying that if I'm ever done, I don't need to work anymore but yeah. i really want to come in and maybe do it right and help out a business owner to kind of understand what's fluff and what's not so it's interesting how like i had this like kind of the seed that was in my head in 2018 we, we sold it quickly was very up and down right at the sale and uh, i was like sure. what do i do because the marketing team walked with me and i end up one oh, day with cool. my team right with like the key players and they you know they left the company and I was not in the state of mind to start something complicated and start a product and invest capital in it. I was, I think, burned out. And what do you do? You have the best talented marketing team. And I was like, 
excuse me, let's be an agency. <laughs> let's go. Right? Yeah. And kind of organically in one day, I registered Evestar, and I think Evestar is the name. My, my daughter's name is Evelyn. I looked at her. She likes to think. I created that logo, and like, and literally in one hour, there was an agency. But the big inspiration was, I think, the frustration that I was in the seat of, you know, chief operating officer really was really like a dream come true client, right? But demanding because I needed results. And it was a big disappointment that the bigger the agencies are, the less they deliver, unfortunately, right? This is what I learned. So there's my, my prior experience of being a client. I think this what got me to where I am today. Josh, if when she's at this size, right? So you sometimes when you're starting an agency, the best thing about it is the fact that there is no costs associated. You have skills and you have time to, to kind of dedicate towards this. You just came from arguably one of the top tier people. And like you said, we had the budget. We wanted to work with the biggest and the baddest of the agencies. Did you find yourself serving? Because when you go through who's your like client, your ICP, your your perfect customer that Evestar can kind of deliver for or kind of work best with, did you kind of already go like, well, I've already left here. I'm already at the top. I'm going to stay at the top. Or what's the range of who you would want to work and support with? First of all, when I launched it, I really thought that I was going to be, be given my name, that I'm going to attract the big business, that I'm going right. to have businesses that are going to have, you know, that are doing already at least 25 million per year. They have budgets, consumer tech apps, because I come from that world, right? Very quickly did I realize that that was not the case, that everybody initially that I attracted were smaller businesses because yeah. bigger businesses had they already had their internal team. Like it was kind of a shocking experience. I'm thinking that, hey, yes, yeah, somebody is gonna come in with big money. No, like I attracted startups and the startups would schedule a call with me and they go, are you real? Are you, are you, you know, Lolita from JetSmart? I go, yeah, and they were confused and uh, okay, so you're an agency. I'm like, yeah, let, let's get it going. But it was more, more of a startup, you know, not established companies. Uh, it took me, and by the way, I really, initially I launched as a digital marketing agency. And it's such a broad term. Like, what is the digital marketing agency? What do you do, right? And then I kind of know, like, it's an entrepreneurial instinct in me that uh, you need to still figure out your niche, right? And about within first, clients started coming in from e-commerce. And I had no, not, no, knew nothing about e-commerce. Like, Shopify was like, what? I come from a different world, right? And then, uh, but it's pretty easy to kind of figure it out, right? So... Dove in one e-commerce business. We grew it, you know, based on instinct, strictly what I learned, the skill set, what my team learned, how to buy media, how to make the right ad, right? How to build a fund. Like we knew, you know, obviously I have this tremendous experience. And then one case study, another case study, e-commerce and commerce. I'm like, hey, let's focus and become an e-commerce marketing agency. So I kind of like very quickly figured out that Shopify 2018 was becoming bigger and bigger. And Attentive came along, right? And nobody really used like the pop-ups and SMS. Like this was like, kind of we started at the same time. So I pivoted and branded myself as, hey, you kind of figure out that e-commerce is very scalable. It's a formula. Once you understand the math behind it, you understand the art behind it, right? It's a super scalable shield. So today you start as an e-commerce marketing agency, but you know, when I launched it, I was a digital agency thinking that consumer tech businesses are going to, you know, with apps, tech businesses are going to come and knock on my door. That was not the case at all. Yeah. So it was smaller businesses and their request was, can you get us the scale that you have experienced from JetSmart? That, that was the ask. Like, um, of course. But the, the, the bigger, like right now we represent some big players, right? And completely different dynamic of work, you know. I actually enjoy more of a good product, 
you know, already does probably a million in revenue per year. That's my client. Like I can make that client go times 10. That's what I enjoy doing. Right. I love. Yeah. Right. That's that's kind of our niche right now. It's kind of interesting. Um, something that you mentioned was that some of like the more traditional agency structures were kind of like yeah. lacking when it came to how they serviced you at at Jet Smarter. Can you elaborate a little bit more on what those challenges specifically were that you encountered with some of those larger agencies and then how you're now changing that with your own agency? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, first of all, is extremely lengthy onboarding. Okay. The bigger the agency is, the big Always. onboarding, the onboarding calls, and that was in-person meetings. I would flew in 25 people. By the time you get to meet them all, I have very short attention span, right? I was like, okay, like, can we talk about how we're going to get to X revenue, right? It's complicated onboarding, too big of the team, junior team that never operated the business. And you get tossed to them. There's always going to be a good strategist. And then they toss you to the less experienced people. I think that what JetSmart had, we had a very complicated business model. Right. right. That business model was extremely, it's not what I do today. It's not e-commerce. You know, the funnel, very complicated. You get people into the app, they download it, you warm them up for a phone call, and there's a product, and there's an education. So, and you needed to do it at scale. So we had all these operations assistants. So marketing agencies, the teams that I work with, they could not understand the concept quick enough. I guess that they didn't have people that come, that are seasoned entrepreneurs, seasoned marketers, to where it took a month for them to really grasp of what is it that I was looking for, Right. And that caused a lot of frustration. So, and I, and I'm a believer in smaller teams that if the bigger the agent, the bigger the teams are, it's it, lots of like, you can cut a lot of fat around it. You move slower, lots of meetings, lots of unnecessary fluffy things. So even bigger agencies, they could not, it took them a while to understand. I didn't have that time. I didn't have the luxury of three months of, to onboard an agency. You know, you want instant kind of results. When you press to grow and you're supposed to deliver millions of revenue, you can't, you can't have one day go down like that without, you know, serious consequences. So, yeah. so the pace of the, you know, that, that was a frustration. Yeah. Thanks for answering that. Um, one thing that we kind of, you know, in, in our discovery of you is that you were the chief operating officer yeah. of Jet Smarter, and now you're transitioned into a CEO role. I'm just kind of curious, like, how is it kind of like juggling those roles and, and moving from an operator to more of a, what I would consider like the person that pushes the business forward in that CEO role. What has that kind of been like for you? I think that chief operating officer at JetSmarter, given the company had massive scale, it was the same CEO position that I do right now, right? Because my husband was more focusing on the product and uh, fundraising stuff. I had a massive, massive department of 200 people plus that I, that was my team, that was my business to move the sales, you know, and marketing forward. So it's kind of the same thing, to be honest with you, no roles. We had different lanes. There was like kind of the co-CEOs. I don't want to name myself as a co-CEO. My father, my husband was a create, like a thinker behind the brand. He created the product. You know, I'm more of an operations. Yeah. Sales and marketing, like, you know, driven persons. Uh, I'm an operator, but it's kind of the same thing. It's just, it's so different, right? Like what I, what I do at each star, it's, uh, it's very different. It was much harder than yeah, over here. Why do, why, why do you think so? The size? Yeah, the size, the pressure, right? Here, there is no, mm. no but pressure. There's no a pressure that you have to perform, but I, 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 you know, like we're very good at what we do. I'm not really, you know, that's not really pressure to me. The, you know, working under the microscope of a high profile company where every mistake is blown up in the media, that's way different to what you start. Nobody really I'm no, nobody talks about me really unless it's in the industry, you know, so it's completely different. 
do you believe that the size in which you got, you, you've talked about the unicorn a couple of times. Is that a goal of what you're building now? Or is this now more like, no, this is the passion to help. I don't want this to be big. I want five clients boutique feel. What's your vision for what you're yeah. building currently? I absolutely do not want a unicorn out of Eve start. No. I think it's more, uh, it's a passion project, boutique firm, work with selected clients, and I'm very proud of the work that we deliver. So I yep, have a luxury yep. today, given that I come from that world, to look at the client and say, we're not the right fit. Please go somewhere else. It's just, we're not the right fit. I cannot, like, I don't believe in your product. I don't think that you are looking to take direction very well, right? So it's like kind of a very select, relationship and I have a luxury of choosing today. So boutique firm working with, you know, really, you know, cool clients. And I work directly, you know, Eastar does very well working directly with CEOs and with business owners. I do not do well with, you know, marketing director level. I think that's the whole or my whole organization. We're used to dealing with a CEO. So as soon as like, and we had some case studies to where, we start working with a client where they're very small, let's say 30,000 in revenue. We get them to 500,000 in revenue. They take outside capital. When you take outside capital, somebody comes in, the, the team dynamics within the brand changes and they start hiring internally, right? The dynamic of the relationship changes right away, right? So yeah, not looking to build a unicorn, but looking to build something really special and boutique to where we deliver value. I was so curious about this because Josh and I talk about this. There's such a different game. There's massive agencies that serve. I want to be everything to everybody. And then there's these small boutique. that just want to be a specialist. And I've been feeling this way for quite a while, especially as there's these talks around recession, especially around these talks around just uncertainty in the market. I really think there's going to be a, this consolidation of one service provider, an agency, an app, a SaaS is going to be able to deliver all the things rather than having this Facebook guy over here and this Google girl here and then this media buying team here and this strategist here. Are you seeing as some of these brands are coming to you, are they wanting to have everything under one house? Are they just, they want one area, maybe it's your web dev or one strategy play for you here. What are you seeing in the market recently on, on people coming in? They have hundred percent smaller firms. Let's take, take a look at a million revenue, right? I would say million to three, everyone looking for holistic. Really? I only work with the clients like that unless they are billion dollar companies. They will hire you on the particular, like they want to hire Lolita for consultant. Like I have right now, I'm an interim CMO of a you know big brand that came, hired an agency and they want Pulit to get as a consultant or they want us as media buyers or something like that. But usually they want the full holistic approach. And what is that, right? That's acquisition retention website, right? Acquisition is you, you make the very good ads media buying on paid social, paid search, retention, email, SMS, and you control the website. So if I need to make a landing page and I need to have those capabilities as I don't, I don't have a luxury to wait, right? For two weeks for, for their in-house team to go to diff or a different agency to go build, right? So we kind of, you know, take that control. And uh, one thing that I don't do and I will never get into because it's such an, a big opinion piece is social media management. That one always creates friction uh, and production. We do very good UGC. We make really good ads, but the production, photography, and social media management, something that I, we don't do. All right, people, if you haven't done this already, you need to do this right now. Pause the podcast, don't take action. There's a link above, below, or in the show notes. 
join the Triple Whale's partner program where you can get up to 20% off the leads that you send through, which is an incredible amount of revenue. And I think it's worth your time and effort for a little bit of action that you're about to take right now. As far as like team structure goes for you guys, it, it seems like speed is something that is really important to you. It seems like it's been kind of like from the start of, you know, Jet Smarter and then now into your agency, like speed is the thing. Like, you know, you ride on jets, you know, uh, we, we grow fast businesses, we market fast, things like that. Um, how has that been with like growing your internal team at the agency and like the team structure that you guys have kind of put together? How has like speed kind of played into how you structure your team? First of all, speed is our culture. And Josh, you pointed it out right away, right? That's like kind of my personality and the, the DNA of me, which I am the face of the of Eve Star, and that's our that's what we sell. We sell quick results. And before we take the client, I spend a lot of time looking, spending time with the CEOs, looking through the business, really understanding if I promise something we need to deliver. So I think that it's a culture, right? That the speed is fundamentally important. That's what we sell that's uh why we get hired and uh obviously training the right team you know team and putting the culture in place to where you onboard the client first of all our onboarding is already we, we start on the job right away because we do audits and we speak to them and i make sure that the brands are really sure that they want to work with eStar. i don't want any initially when you start with a client there's like a dating period i try to date before we they hire us because then it's like, go, go, go kind of thing, right? So it's super important. The hardest thing right now in what I do compared to JetSmarter, JetSmarter had a massive HR department that would hire for me. <laughs> I didn't deal with recruitment. They would get me the candidate and they would be like, okay, great, I like you, let's move on. But I had a team behind finding talent. The hardest thing at Easter right now is finding talent. Yep, yep. I'm the one who does it. It's not as much as finding a client, delivering results is the internal challenges that I'm not supported by this massive HR department. And the hardest thing in our business is finding really talented people, right? That really know what they're doing. So I think that's the harder part at EveStar than at JetSmarter. We have two recruiters. I personally reach out on LinkedIn myself. If I like a candidate, I watch. Upwork, LinkedIn, I think I use it all. And sometimes I get lucky here and there, but I spend probably an hour and a half out of my day with just like understanding the market and recruiting. And if I really need somebody urgent, I have two recruiting firms that I work with that help out. But I'll tell you that the best candidates that I have found that been with Easter for a long time are the ones that I source myself through LinkedIn by reaching out and saying, can we please chat, you know? Does recruiting ever shut off for you guys? You can never show shut off at agency because frontline always gets burned out and they're going to get burned out during Black Friday, Cyber Monday, right? It's always going to be at that time. And that's what I think that the key to running a successful agency is that recruiting never shuts off ever. You can never take a break. Otherwise you can go down very quickly like that. So that's something that I learned within the first six months of running an agency. And this is something that's different because I handle that role and that's not my favorite role, to be honest with you. I'm used yeah. to big departments that do it for me. And this is what I would say the most difficult part of my job today. As someone who is a very, you, you mentioned it briefly, most people know you, what you've done and they come to it. You are essentially the deal flow, the person that gets most of the interest that brings it to your team. How has it been a part of your strategy of leveraging your, are you sharing a social or are you taking this approach of, the more you share about yourself and what your team is doing, the more inbound comes, or is it more of 
you're just going about and, and the brands find you? You know, it's such a good question. I think that I'm the laziest person when it comes to content. I don't, I don't tweet. I don't produce any content. Why? A lot of it is in world of mouth and this jet smarter identity, like that's where the inbound comes from. And right now it's such a word of mouth kind of situation to where it's just comes, you know, but I'm not putting any effort and I can only, I always ask myself, imagine if I would actually do it. Right. But I don't. Right. But I need to, I need to find time. Yeah. I was going to, I was just going to mention, I was like, your model slightly different. Like from what you've kind of been explaining to us of like your ethos as a, as an agency, you're not, you're not the type of agency that's just going to work with everybody. Right. Like you guys have that leadership position coming yeah. into the conversation of you guys are searching us out. And if you're searching us out, you have to be the right size. You have to be the right partner for us. And for people that create content like myself and Nicholas and a lot of these us other agency owners, like it's more of a volume play. We're signing probably a few more clients, but like you're going after it seems like very specific types of clients that you're like, we can for sure win with this client. Exactly. That's exactly my model. As I said, that we date them before we onboard them, but I'm very direct person. It's like kind of what you see is what you get. And that's my forte. I can tell right away whether they audit, whether it's going to go or not. Like, and I say that if you want us to deliver, there is a couple of conditions. And the condition is one, we lead. You're number two, we're number one. If I don't deliver month to month, you can fire me immediately. I don't lock you up, you fire me. Nice. We will have to lead, right? Otherwise, it's not going to work because this is our DNA of the business. This is why this holistic approach, right, is different and it works for us because I say that if you want me to deliver, I need to take control of important pieces of the business. I have to control email. A lot. Sometimes they say, why don't you just, we're looking for somebody that's going to just run ads. Like, it's not going to work. Yeah. Because they're going to just run ads and then what happens on the website? What about the email, right? What about this? What, what about it? Like, if you don't take that part of the business seriously, the ads are not going to deliver. So that's how, like, well, they are going to deliver, but they can deliver much more if you actually have much more control. So that's, um, yeah, we filter and it's really like a kind of, they need to be ready to work with us and be 100% sure that this is what they want. When they do work with us, they have to hand me the key. I will be the first one to come in and say things are not working out, right? Like in terms of the results, but they're there, it would take the business. There are times when they're not there, when... Uh, the product offering, like the brand will come on and say, oh yeah, like we're going to invest in product. And I always ask, what's the product lineup, right? If it's a fashion company, I want to understand the collection. When are you dropping? You know, how are you dropping? You know, how do you distribute the, the products? Like it's, it's super important. So if they're not supporting an agency with a product, I can do anything about it. So I really kind of interview them on the product just as much as they interview me on the agency side. So, and if their product is, I'll give you an example. I spoke to a startup fashion brand. They have like 15 SKUs, right? And they're selling up to $200. Asking for a lot. The product is not there. No brand. Like I can't do anything with it. Expectations are there, but the product is not, right? Like why don't you have develop your product better and let's jump on the call? Because right now you're not ready for me and I, you know, I'm not going to be able to deliver. So that's just like kind of a conversation that I had two hours earlier. In your current team structure, because sometimes we go through these trends, so I'll speak specific for us right now, we're having conversations and right now the creative strategist, the person that's driving creative 
giving feedback on briefs, helping helping the media buyers analyze what's happening. That person seems to be at times the bottleneck, slowing down the ability to onboard new clients, slowing down the ability to get more things produced. If you were to analyze your team right now, are you seeing any spots where you're getting an overwhelming amount of, is it web design, overwhelming amount of influencer or paid media? Is there anything that's like a, a bottleneck within the team currently? We did have a bottleneck on creative, making the UGC at fast pace, okay? Because as we know that whenever you, the bigger buy, every creative will fatigue eventually. And the, the, the key here is, can you pump more content? But we were able to fill it fairly quickly. We hired actually a content creator, promoted her very quickly. She, the content creator had relationships with every creator. She's been a creator. We made her head of content and she built us this UGC department within a month. And right now that's the fastest growing department, right? So we were able to fill it, but who did I hire? I hired the top creator herself. Right, right, right. I didn't go for creative director and this and that. You usually go in and you see the creator that makes content and she makes phenomenal content quick. She's an expert in it. So we went and we said, how would you like to work for the agency? She's like, I, I never thought of it. So she's with us and she's doing fun because she already brought the group of creators with her. But that was a bottleneck. That was one of our kind of weak spots we were. But right now, like we officially launched it, I would say in the beginning of the year. And I mean, there's kind of a natural thing to where brand used to be behind it, but we, we do it because we produce it much faster, right? Right. Like I know what's fatiguing you instantly. Shoot in two days, you have creative ready. Off you go, you know? 100%. I would say that like very transparent. I have a weird little relationship with my Google team. I think that it's so hard to find a good Google media buy. And I can talk philosophy about it. Does Google really bring impact? Significant top of the funnel impact. And how hard it is to find a really strong paid search person that really knows what they're doing. I think that's a discussion of its own, you know? I think you're onto something, Lo, because even when I analyze our team, we do, because before, when before all the iOS was, it was happening, we were heavy Facebook, heavy, 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 over, uh, disproportionately there. And then the drama happened, the uncertainty happened. Then we started doing more Google. Then we were getting more demand on Google. And then... Now we spend more on Google than we do on Facebook. And I'm like, I, I me being a Facebook person, a true me, I, I couldn't tell you which buttons what inside of a Google ad account. And I'm sitting here going, is this, is it, did this just happen? I didn't think I'd ever see that. Now it's balancing back and forth. Facebook's still creating a lot of this demand overall, but it, you're, you're onto something too. Cause I, I believe most of the people that have used Google or working with Google and my experience, my best ones, they've been international. They've been, they've teams that lived in, Amsterdam teams have worked with different sets of budgets and different experiences. State size kind of lacking. Absolutely. The hardest, by the way, all of my Google people don't come from the States. See? They do not come from the States. This is one department that is not United States based for me because I interviewed 100 plus Google paid search people and I'm frustrated. They don't exist here. <laughs> they they First of all, it's very mad driven. It's very analytical. You have to live in spreadsheets. It's not paid social. And if you're not good at it, you're not going to be good with Google, right? And Google is, you know, merchant center. It's like you were like, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Google media buyer. Like, do you understand the feeds? Do you understand it? Like, oh, no, I don't do that. Who does then? Am I supposed to do that? Who does? You know what I mean? 
So it's like, but I have very strong Google people, but it took me a long, it was like three years to, because we were very paid social driven. I'm still a massive believer that demand originates on most of the e-commerce businesses from paid social, top of the funnel, right? Google works as a supporting channel. That's my conclusion. Unless you're selling something really search driven. Yeah, I feel like the patience has to be there, right? Like you have to have patience with Google. I feel like Facebook is more, and I'm not a media buyer, so I could just be talking completely completely on my ass right now. Here's at least my my uh, methodology around is like paid ads is more of uh, like on Facebook and, and Instagram is more of a uh, instant gratification type channel, whereas in Google is more of a long-term play for most brands. I could be completely wrong there, but at least from the outside. Google has a ceiling. That's the frustrating part about Google, right? Google, there's going to be a ceiling because it's search driven. There's going to be a spot where you can't spend more. That's it. Right. And it's much slower. Yeah. But can Google really like, but there's, they have the Pmax right now, right? They have, you know, YouTube shorts. Can it really generate demand? And that's the discussion that I have with my team. And my Google team tells me that it can. Yeah. We can lead this and that, but I haven't seen it yet because I was like, okay, how about I turn up all paid social and you lead? Nobody wants to take that challenge. Do you think the two things? One, in the immediate, whatever we're building right now, we're June, we're Q2, middle Q2, Q3, Q4. I want to ask one quick question. What's your prediction for Black Friday this year? Big, small, better than last year, not as good as last year. What are you feeling? I don't think it's good. I don't, uh, by the way, last Black Friday was not terrific. Last Black Friday was very underwhelming. The previous Black Friday was phenomenal. Last Black Friday was underwhelming. Uh, this Black Friday, I think, will be the same underwhelming. I don't think it's going to get better. You think people are used to Black Friday? You know what? What you notice that every year Black Friday starts earlier and earlier. Yeah. And I think what's happening in this e-commerce game and what I see is that consumers under consumers are winning that game today. They're not shopping without a sale. Like before in 2020, you could actually move products without sale. Can you move a product today? take fashion beauty without running a sale. Yes, you can, but your NCPA goes up instantly, right? So I think that consumers are learning how to play the e-commerce game and they're beating the brands and the agencies. So I think it's a little competition going on. So, and everybody launches it earlier and earlier. Like last year it launched when it's like beginning of November, some launch in October. Like it's like Black Friday for the whole month and then goes into the holiday, but it creates the behavior when you run sales for such a long time where a consumer will not buy that product without a sale. And that's an issue yeah. that I see. It's getting harder and harder and harder. So how do you, you know, build a strategy for a brand which doesn't sell a transactional product, high AOV? How do you move it without a sale? And you never run a sale. Is that possible? We're going through this right now. Like we, our product, like the product that we launched, which is a high-end cannabis and THC CBD drink, our entire strategy is zero discount. Never, you get, never get a discount. The only way you get a discount is if you buy a subscription, which means you're going to be with me for at least three months. We can't participate in Black Friday, everybody. We, we can drop a new taste. We can drop a new flavor. We can do a collaboration, but we can't do any sort of discounts. And I think you're onto something. And the guys at Common Thread, which is like another team out here that have a lot of these, these conversations around like, create your own peaks, create your own buildups to get sales so that your consumer has something to look forward to and that when you have yeah. lulls in your seasonality which look there's a lot of brands that do most of the brands do most of the partners that we have do 
How do you prevent that from dipping so low that they call it the sponge doesn't get dry? The brand has to understand, and that's what we do very well, right? The client will come and they'll say, I want to hit a certain number, right? And this thing can be like 300% growth. It's like, okay. And you're just asking, how do you, and are you okay running sales often? No, I'm not, right? Like there's already like some, you educate them that if you are really, you worry about your brand, you cannot have such a explosive growth. You need to, your growth will be slower because I can, I, I can give them what they're looking for, but I'll have to run more sales, right? But they don't want that. So take a steadier pace, but train the consumer and be more patient. You, you're not going to have instant gratification because every instant gratification and the big revenue spike, they'll come after they're going to be massive collapse and they can't handle it. Founders, can they call you right away? What happened? The sales are bad. Guess what? The sale ended, right? What do we do now? Like how do we, like, so it's a lot of it is what we do is like counseling and saying, that, you know, how do, how do we please you and hit your numbers, but let's build strategy. And if you go here, that's the consequence you're going to get, right? How do you, so it's all individualized. I have some brands that we represent run sales every day and we run it every single day, right? Is it the right approach? No, I have some that we don't ever run sales, but we have slower. So very individualized, but the brands that shop, I mean, consumers that shop from a certain brand, they understand the game better than we think that they understand. I think I, I, my prediction is that they're beating us at that game. Like if you run sales over and over again, you will never be able to get off of it unless you're ready to hit significant down, hold strong, rebrand and move forward. But most entrepreneurs and business owners, they, they, they can't, they can't do that. So running that strategy of how you run those businesses is super important. And that's what we do. And a lot of conversations that we have with them, like we talk about their growth, how are we going to do it? And, you know, and we, we find a way, but it's always different. I love ending on a question like this because first off, we're five months away from November, right? Black Friday time. So any of you guys are listening to us, leave us a review, leave us a comment, ask us like, is Black Friday Summer Money going to be huge this year? Is it going to start even before? Does Black Friday Summer Money start in September this year? Like that could even be the thing that people are going to be talking about, which would, would blow my mind because that would be a very long time coming. But Lolita, where can we find you? Where I know you aren't active on socials just yet, but I hope you kind of come out of hiding and, and get to you. I, I am giving everybody commitment that I'm starting Twitter. I'm going to personally tweet. Let's go. I have like, you should follow me. I have 56 followers right now. So Let's go. I'm... I'm about to be 57. I'm about to be 58. Yeah, very, very simple. I tweeted like a couple times and it's a grind, huh? It's a grind, but I, I, I got to get into the game. It's a grind. You tweet, but it's so, so exhausting. You got to constantly tweet and then engage with the app, right? It's like a lot of time, but I'm going to get myself into that game. Okay. Twitter, I think, and the website and email, right? Lots of, and by the way, like when brands, schedule a call with us, I actually show up. The first call is with me. I don't have a salesperson. I do all of the sales. So most of my time goes speaking with lots of brands, right? I do it. I, I eliminated that kind of middle, you know, ground. So I, I, I do it myself right now. Yeah, that's where your time was. Well, Lolita, thank you so much for the time you spent with us today. As soon as we get this up and running, I'll make sure we, we, we shoot on over for you. But all of you guys here, thank you to Triple Way on the network. If you want any more of our podcasts, you know where to find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, wherever you guys can listen to your own podcast. Thank you guys for being here today. Josh, myself, Lolita. We'll see you guys next time. Peace out.